Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about the original Party of Five, a television drama that ran for six seasons on Fox from 1994 to 2000, whose ensemble cast included Matthew Fox, Scott Wolf, Nev Campbell, Lacey Chabert, and Jennifer Love Hewitt, among others. High-level plot summary, living in San Francisco, five siblings struggle to stay together following the tragic loss of their parents. At Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter score for the first season is 90%, and the critics' consensus reads, a sincere family drama full of tear-jerking moments, Party of Five excels at its authentic depiction of young adult issues. This show has been off the year for 20 years, but in case any listeners are planning to start the series from scratch, today's discussion will contain spoilers. I actually worked on this show at the start of season six. It was my first assignment as a DGA trainee. And my guests today are some of the assistant directors with whom I worked. Chris Delapena, you were our first assistant director for season five. You kicked off the sixth season and then left to work on the Jennifer Love Hewitt spinoff show, Time of Your Life. Welcome to Below the Line. And thanks for having me, Skin. Glad you're here, Chris. And returning to the show is Vince Duque. Vince, you started Party of Five season four as the second second assistant director became the key second AD and worked as the key second AD for the entirety of seasons five and six. Nice to see you again. It's good. So if we're talking about Party of Five today, rather than talk about starting up on the show and things on set, let's actually talk about that first episode when the three of us were working together. This is the first episode of season six, Don't Let Me Go, big wedding episode for Charlie and Kirsten. Even after 20 years, I have vague memories, but I know this was a lot of work kind of be dropped in the middle of. What were your guys' impressions of this episode coming together? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't, I remember I was, I had a family reunion in Sacramento. So the last few days before we started filming that, I was prepping out of, I was at my mother's house up there. And I remember I was on the phone a lot trying to get this whole wedding together and everything put together for the schedule. I mean, I don't remember too much more about that. I, I do remember, you know, you coming on and that kind of stuff. I just, the only thing I remember about that, really that whole episode is just the actual day on the bluff, the wedding, the full day we spent out there with the wedding and then the drive away at the end. Now, coincidentally, I did, and I can't believe this after 20 years, but in my files, I found the production reports from those days. And so we shot three days the week before, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, doing smaller scenes for me getting to know the actors and stuff, I'm sure. And then kicked off that next week with a Monday through Thursday shoot that started with the shooting on the bluff. That, but at that, we had a ton of actors who were out on location. That was another level of challenge that I'm sure was the biggest that I'd ever done at that point. I don't remember a lot about that episode except for that particular day myself. I remember having a plan in my head about how all this was gonna go pretty smoothly in terms of getting the actors ready, um, rehearsals. And I remember thinking in the middle of the day that maybe we should have gotten a second person at base camp. <laughs> so for folks who are not aware, uh, base camp is where the actors are getting ready. And as the trainee on Party of Five, overseeing base camp, overseeing hair, makeup, working with wardrobe, getting the actors from the moment they arrived to set was my primary responsibility on that show. And this day, in addition to most of the family members, we also had a bunch of guest stars. And uh, well, there were a lot of folks we were getting through. And for a lot of them, it was the start of their season as well, at least some of the guest stars, the first time they had shown up. So you've got paperwork and everything on top of that. It's starting to come back to me in, uh, ooh, in kind of a goosebumpy way. <laughs> I mean, I come from sort of the old school, I mean, learning from Chris, that, that show was my, Party of Five was my first key second AD job. And having worked with Chris the year before, and then another year as a key, I already, already had this sort of, um, the shorthand with him. And one of the things that I took a lot of pride in was being someone who could be on set with him as the key as opposed to what is typically now the key second is sort of like the administrative ad sort of junior upm kind of person and at the time we were still doing pencil call sheets but i felt like there was going to be a move in terms of how the ad responsibilities were shifting 
because Chris was such an old school guy, I wanted to be that old school too, particularly because, you know, I learned with Chris on set. And so I did background on set with him. He taught me how to set background um, in the way that I still set background. And I just loved being on set. And I remember being anxious that day because I would want to come to set. I'd have to do the call sheet in pencil, by the way. <laughs> and every time I'd come on set, I'd have to get pulled because stuff was going on at base camp that wasn't, you know, that was a little haywire, right? Because of all the, the, the extras and getting everybody made up. So I kept getting pulled away from Chris. And I think I remember that he just didn't feel supported and for good measure because I was going back and forth and we were at the beach. Right. So it's yeah. like the sand going up the hill. It just yeah. wasn't easy. And then we had really crappy radio reception. Yeah. <laughs> that Chris was, get everything. Yeah. Because Chris was down on the beach and then we would, once I, once I got up to the cliff, forget it. I could hear him, you know, in and out. And I could just, I was imagining, Oh my God, he doesn't know who he can talk to. He can't talk to anybody. He was insane that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just remember that we had like over some 50 setups to do and it was driven by daylight more than anything that day because, you know, and I had made a deal with all the actors and with you, and I, I believe with you guys. And I, I think I kind of set this thing that everybody stays on the set. Nobody kind of, because they love to go back to the trailers at the time. That wasn't really a big thing about cell phones. So they didn't, now they all stay on the set. They just can't even get them off their mark because they're on their phones. But back then they would all go to the trailer. And I was just dying to have, it would kill me. And I think we were like on that, like right by that lifeguard tower. I don't know if we were all the way on the beach for some of it, but we were, some of it was up on that. But you guys, you went up and down those stairs probably 200 times that day, Vince, probably back and yeah, forth. Yeah, definitely. And I remember, you know, first, like, just because I was a very fast talker and I was, you know, driven to make that day to where even to where the director was trying to slow me down. But at, I remember that was a part, time of that day that I kind of like realized that I had put Skid to the limit and I kind of, I backed off and I, you know, and, and I tried to be nicer about it because I needed that man in there in the game. Vince was all through it, you know, and, and so I, I don't remember even having a, you know, really trouble with any, everything was always there that day. I have to say there was no fail, failure like on us because even the actors would stay with me. We got it done because it was chaos, but it all managed to get through that. I mean, I don't know how it all worked, but they were there when I did them there. They stayed there the whole time. It got windy in the afternoon. It's terrible. We had the steady cam trying to work through that. And it, and, but it all, we got it all. We got it. It was just, but it was, that was a real, that is TV at its finest skid. And you'll know, you knew that after that, you realized you can't probably drive it faster or harder than that with that many people in that kind of situation safely. Yeah. And that's what we kind of tried to do, <laughs> I, I think. But it, I just remember it was, ridiculous how hard we were driving the whole day but i remember we got to the sunset shot of them driving away and, and we we kind of had to wait for the sun to go down like 10 minutes to get the right shot i mean we i was so happy that we made it to that point i think a part of that too was and um you know i'm not blaming this person but jesse was the second second jesse I mean, she's a, she's a really good person. She's smart. She's uh, well-spoken. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you, when you get put on the spot like that, and especially yeah. when you work with Chris, you've got to be on top of it. You have to be ahead of him because you just have to be ahead. Like, I mean, yeah. the way you're supposed to be. And even to this day, sometimes I feel like I can do those three jobs all at once. And there, we have so, much, so many people. Yeah. And back then we didn't have anybody. We had basically Jesse and maybe two PAs. Yeah. When was that AD's son? Remember that? What was his name? Oh, right. Uh, Zach. Zach. Zach was there. Zach was in with the actors and he could get him out of the trailer for us. And I liked that kid. I think he finally got in the guild. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, we had him for a while, but we didn't have a, you know, and still to this day, it's hard to get, you know, full staff that you need. I mean, it's, there was, yeah. that's, they pinched that, you know, it was, it was a big, but just a quick story about Vince in the background. <laughs> Is that, so, I, I, and we should say on this day, we had about 
somewhere between 80 and 100 background of folks for the wedding and the support and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty large crowd on top of uh, all those actors as well. Not only were they a big crowd, but they had assignment. So we had Kirsten's parents or whatever, but we had had set them up so that this was this person's uncle, this person's aunt, and then whatever. So that (laughs) was a mess because they didn't know each other. So you were always... (laughs) wrangling these people to sit in their seat. <laughs> the story I have to say, and this is one thing that I'll always, and I tell this story to my other ADs as I go along in my life, that, you know, I would look at you and I'd say, Vince, you know, we're almost ready and there'd be no background out there. And I'm like, are you ready? He goes, no, no. You'd look at me straight face and go, no, it's ready. I'm like, but I, there's nobody out here. And I'd get the actors and I and I'd turn around and, milk, and all of a sudden it's like, the whole place is full, back to things working. I'm like, but he did that every dang time. I don't know how you pulled that off. I would like, especially in the restaurant, I don't mean to change the subject from the beach, but I remember looking like this, there's no, but he would like sneak in and do stuff when I was doing, he would set background little at a time and which we talked about, I guess, but no, well, partly it was because Joe Pinello, the DP just hated to have the back, all the background right. in there. So it was like, I had to put him in at the last second. So I was like trying to serve you, trying to serve Joe. And you know, was, Joe can be Joe, right? So it it's like, my mind. oh my it God. My mind. But it was like, and I thought, now if this kid can do it like this, this is how it's got, you know, if you can sneak him around and get it done like that, it was pretty damn cool, I have to say. But it would just, it would blow my mind because I'd like, by the time the actors all got in, it'd be like, this place is hopping, we're going, all the actors would be in. It'd be like, all right, all right. And I never, you never failed me there, I have to say, for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was pretty crazy yeah i'm i'm a i'm, I'm a kind tough. of a terror i'm kind of a terror at my seconds about that because it's yeah. like they just don't know how to set back a lot of them are just so slow and they try to be so spielberg about it and it's like dude yeah, you know you have to direct every single person you gotta it depends on the situation yeah come on big groups at a time for sure yeah you taught me chris chris was yeah. uh chris taught me how to set background and well i mean when we start when i started i would run first team and then i'd run on the set and set all the background yeah, that was my job. And I did it like for most of my early career. I'd, and I'd have to set large amounts of background. Yeah. And so you just get patterns and stuff like that. But you learn a way to do it very yeah. fast. And you can just like, most people know how to walk around a mall. I mean, you can just say, go walk around. You know, you don't have to like yeah. tell everybody, like, look in that window. You know, you, yeah. you know, you know. So, I mean, you, you dug into that. You've, you know, obviously you worked all that to your advantage. So it was very easy for you to pull it together quickly. That was a big part of that because they never waited on when I was in AD there. We they never waited on us. No, we waited on actors sometimes, but we never waited on us ever. Well, in Party of Five, the trainee was not involved with background. Interesting. I worked later shows where I cut my teeth as the trainee with some background, and although on that show I think the second second was the onset. To your point earlier, Vince, how each show runs that, and oftentimes the key is is off doing the the paperwork for tomorrow, but on Party of five, the job was uh, running that base camp, getting that first team ready. Now, I had been on sets before. I had done three or four months of PA work before starting in the training program, but this was my first time having those kind of responsibilities. I, I don't know. I guess a little stressed just thinking about it, but you guys didn't fire me. You didn't switch me out, so I what was appreciate it. Trainee, man. You got to train them. <laughs> what, was the your, what, was your, what was your impression about the day, Skid, on, from yeah, your seriously. standpoint? I think just the matter I, – I just think that I was making mistakes on probably communication more than anything, that one of the biggest things about being at base camp is – having all the pieces, kind of knowing what they are. If they're just waiting for you to say exactly what to do, then you can't be everywhere at once. And so making sure that this person was ready for that chair and that they had warnings and that hair, makeup, wardrobe, everyone was working together. I think that was probably um, a challenge, I'm sure for me at the time, to move that many pieces all at once. I mean, I think I got better over time, but again, starting out, you can tend to focus on these things linearly. When you've got... Well, if you've got nine actors, you've got nine separate lines, you've got nine people at different stages of their getting ready, and you got to keep everyone in, informed about all of that at the same time, but not in sort of a group way. you got to handle each person with the information they need to know at a given time, and, and that's a lot to juggle. Plus, getting them to sign paperwork and keeping track of the actor times and stuff like, yeah, some of that stuff might have slipped through the cracks. Well, that was the thing, was now that I think about it, was you were doing your job managing hair and makeup and wardrobe and the actors 
but the information coming back to me wasn't as timely as I needed it, particularly because I think sometimes we would flip scenes or flip uh, angles depending on where the sun was or whatever, right? So like, you know, we'd have to call an audible and then Chris says, no, we're going to do this shot now. And then, mm -hmm. you know, then we all needed all these, you know, this part, this angle and yeah. it involves whoever. And you're like, where is Matt? I don't know. I thought he was down with you. <laughs> yeah, the sun, the sun drove that moment, whatever, you know, all of yeah. a sudden, you know, Pinella's like, okay, I need this wedge. And I'm like, I don't have that wedge right now. You got to give me a minute. And it would be tough just to find, like you say, that group of actors that was with that family member, yeah. whatever, you know, that group, you know, it was tough, but I don't remember waiting at all for that. I don't remember waiting. Oh, you waited. You waited <laughs> I don't remember too much about yeah. that. Yeah. Cause I mean, it was like, just got up Steve's butt so much about everything. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was like, uh, I, it was for me like being five places at once because I was, I, I wanted to be on set right. and then I, needed to help skid and look skid it wasn't your fault it was a lot of people so it's a rough first day dealing with that and then we didn't have a background pa we had zach we had jesse and then we had maybe like a day playing it was a, a guy yeah. named jeff jeff mario with yeah. three people and that was it for 150 people and 12 actors we had 12 actors i think it was, it was crazy really and so you know, when you do a scene like that um, at the beach in water on sand, yeah, it's yeah. to this day it's never easy. No, I know, I know, it, it's not. Thank God we used natural light. I think he had a couple of twelve Ks running, but otherwise it was pretty much natural oh, yeah. lighting. You know, and we let it rip. Yeah, but um, I just remember telling Steve Robin that he doesn't have another take, and I've never done that to a director in my life ever. But that day, I had. Paul and Ken on the phone with me so much about just telling me what to tell him because, you know, they wanted to make it. So it was, it was a lot of pressure in that. And now that I'm, you know, 80, you know, hundreds of episodes since then, I don't know. I mean, it's, it still would have been a hell of a lot of pressure. I think I might've been a little more easier on, you know, the process of it, but it still would have been one heck of a day, no matter what. Chris, you mentioned uh, Paul and Ken. Tell our listeners who they were on the show. Ken Dupolsky was the producer and Paul Marks was producer production manager as well. And Ken, you know, I knew Ken years ago. That's how I got on with these guys and I'm still with Paul Marks today. And they're both been great for my careers and uh, really great people to work with for me. So it's a good point as a first AD working in television, you've got not only the director that you're trying mm -hmm. to deliver their episode and their vision, but there's the larger arc of what the episode can afford and what the show can afford. And you're hearing from the producers at the same time. Well, it's, yeah, television, you work for the show as an AD, and in feature, you work for the director. The director is pretty much the one that can fire you on a feature, and you're with that guy, and you're that guy. TV, I'm, I'm doing it for my show. I don't want a director to come in and manhandle the actors. You don't want to run anybody in the ground. You want to keep it kind of smooth going, and so you're kind of monitor all that. And, you know, Steve Rodman was one of our in-house directors, so they all, you know, but they love to make sure that we made it, you know, and and as we did, I mean, they saw that. So we just, they were, you know, they were just normal pushing producers at the time. It wasn't anything weird or anything like to get on them or anything. But I just remember, you know me, you know, you don't have to wind me up too much <laughs> to get me going. And I was like, wow, I, I wanted that day so bad. It was just, it was something to get, but. Why is it, why is it, Chris, that you get away with winding up? When I do it, I feel like people are pissed at me or like people go like, why are you so wind, wound up about this stuff? Why people, is feel, people feel sorry for me, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times when I've shown up in the morning, some, I mean, like, I'm just getting a cup of coffee and some guy's like, hey, dude, slow down. You're like all over, you know, I don't realize how fast I'm actually going until somebody like corrects me, but it, it almost happens almost every day where at the, you know, when you're working. I mean, I feel like I kind of, you know, I emulated sort of your energy uh -huh. and how you like to do things and sure. sort of being funny on set and then, yeah. you know, kind of like, uh, you know, being the, the, being the ringmaster in a yeah. sense. Right. And, but for some reason, when I get riled up or I'm trying to get the crew going, people are sensitive. Yeah. I mean, it's changed for me. You know, I've had to really kind of tone it down over the years because it, it has for, you know, because I mean, I would, you know, I'm lighthearted and I would, you know, but 
you have to care about everybody. That's the thing too. But I, but I, but I have to say like, yeah, there's a lot more sensitivity on the set now. And so it, for me to push somebody along, maybe I wouldn't probably do that as much now just for the fact is not that we treated Skid bad that day, but the pressure that we put on Skid, you know, that might not be possible to do anymore. Oh that, yeah, definitely. You, know, you just can't put that kind of pressure on a kid. I mean, when I was a PA and what all, you know, sort of like that, we weren't even allowed to have lunch. I mean, we, we were, I mean, if you, if you saw the crafts, craft service, you were lucky, but things have changed quite a bit. And so you have to really be like now with my staff, I mean, we have a big huddle up. I just make sure everybody's there and in and, and, and the now and in, in a positive manner. If not, then we'll work it out. I just don't want to, I can't drive it as hard anymore. I still drive myself like that, but I don't drive the crew on the staff like that anymore. It's I just, agree. I'm the same way. Can't. You can't do and it, it. Yeah. And the millennials and the way that things work, I mean, you just, when lunch is over, I don't expect my ADs and PAs to be already in their positions. I, they're leaving the lunch table at when they say lunch is over now. That's the way it is. You know, it's just back in the day, you guys got ahead of everybody so you could get everybody back and everybody going. But now you can't do any of that, you know, and it's, I get it. It's cool. I, I understand it. You know, I just, so I've changed my game up quite a bit in the respect of just yeah. like, I, I find what makes you go. And I give that to you all day long, whatever that is. I just try to find out what makes my DP and my camera guys go. And I, yeah. whatever it is, if it's quiet around them, then I give them quiet. If they like yeah. to hear a joke, then I, whatever it is, I kind of like, and as a first for me, it's fun to do that. I can really, yeah. people start to, when you have a crew that's so comfortable at what they're doing, that they're doing it the best they know how to do, instead of looking over their back, it's like, am I going to get fired? I mean, I've worked yeah. with Tommy Shlami. I mean, you finish a scene, it's like, everybody's like, we just did the best work we could ever do right now at that moment. It's, yeah. it's amazing. That's still yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. It's, a, it's a great feeling when you feel that, for sure. I mean, Vince, you're, you're firsty now, and, and maybe you're just not funny enough, or as, you're not <laughs> as funny as you think you are now. That's, and you've, you've already Indeed. got people tense with that, and that's... Uh, I, well, <laughs> I, get a, I don't know. Could be. I can't extrapolate from uh, our time all those years ago, but uh, Vince, we'll do another show uh, where we bring on some of your current crew and we'll try yeah. to get the truth out of them that way. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to see what they, what they think about that. We'll, we'll ask that same question again. Uh, going back to party of five. So I, I like the interpretation that uh, Chris put out there and maybe this is a little Rashomon that we made our day and we never waited. Like that's one version of how that day went down. Any other memories or sort of fallout from that day that you guys recall just as far as wrapping up uh, the work on the beach? I remember just a vision of Vince at the end of that day and he was exhausted. He was done. He was tired. I just remember just that. It was, it was a sobering experience for me because up to, that, that. <laughs> up to that point, remember, I just, so I graduated from the training program and I had a really pretty smooth two years in the training program. And I did a couple of seasons of party of five and it went pretty smooth. Yeah. And then the wedding happened and it was a sobering experience for me that, wow, we can, there, there can be a, a crazy day. There can be a bad yeah. day. And it was because of that day that, I mean, I think subconsciously I have PTSD about it to the point where I just, you know, want to make sure like when we have a big day, like whether it's a, a Thanksgiving episode sure. or, or a club party or, or that sort of thing, I think I subconsciously go back to that day and I just yeah. want to eliminate the feelings of that day when I plan. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that I still think that it's never, I mean, they want you to do so much now, you know, Vince, it's, it's almost, you're like, what really? I'm supposed to do all this in this day with these people that are going to drag their feet. I mean, it's really hard to kind of motivate and you get lucky sometimes, but there's times that it's tough and, and there's, so much, down. and there's so much improv now. I don't know. Do you do, yeah. is there a lot of improv on you? I mean, I'm doing a lot of comedy now, so sure. do a lot of improv. Do you guys do a lot of improv and keep the thing rolling for like minutes sure, on I mean, end? Especially when you know, I just did two pilots, you know, so it's like, you know, you exhaust every scene to death. I mean, to yeah. try to get everything out of it. So, and with comedy, you know that who else has got, you know, you want to let him rip a couple of times himself. It's a lot of that. Sure. Yeah. You guys, I want to talk to you more about how things have changed in 20 years. But let's go back before the wedding scene in the season six. Vince, you started in season four. Tell us a little about where you were in your career 
from training program to AD and how you got involved with Party of Five? Well, I had just graduated in 1998. I did some day playing um, duties on a movie called, um, the book was called Eaters of the Dead. It was the Michael Crichton movie with uh, Antonio Banderas. 13th Warrior was the movie. So I did that and then my first job was Party of Five. So I was happy to get a gig. And at the time I felt like I was gonna get a gig at some point. I didn't really think about my future. I was just gonna take the first gig that I could get. And then I don't think I even interviewed with you, Chris, because it was just with Jules. I think you had been somewhere, at, you, you, you didn't, you, I know what it was, you hadn't started prep yet. Yeah, but I remember meeting you, you, you had this military background and you had this way about you that you could get through anything. I remember that feeling when I met you. Yeah. That this is going to, I'm going to get whatever it is, I'll can manage it, which she did. So I, you know, that was my first gig and I knew that I wanted a key right away. I would probably change the way I would have, would approach the job, but that I knew that that not in a Machiavellian kind of way, I'm happy to have learned, you know, and be in the situation that I was, but I was kind of really anxious to kind of take on a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. like ready to do that. And where'd you get your opportunity to key then? How'd that come about? That was on this show. So uh, Dee Dee Stadler, she was the key second AD for uh, three quarters of, this, of season four. And then uh, I took over as the key. Um, she gave me the baton. She left for the future and yeah. you know, I became the key. Now, Chris, we talked about when you got involved, but I know you had done some other shows with the same producers. And as we mentioned earlier, you did a couple of the episodes of that season six before leaving for the Jennifer Love Hewitt spinoff. Um, how did you get involved as the first on that? Where, where in your career did this fall? I met Ken Dupolsky, man, when he just started producing. And I did a movie of the week called Long Arm with him, a Western. And an inside kind of story from that, I, I used to run, like say, I'd run first team and then I'd run and go set the background in. And he'd see me running and I'd see, he'd say, what's going on? I'd say, we have two shots left on this and this and that, you know, I'd tell what was going on. And that's when he put all that stuff in place at the office, like call in the ADs, call in the shots. That's how that happened. But, oh, really? Yeah. Sorry about that. It, it <laughs> so, really let's take it aside and take it aside and tell our listeners what we're talking about as far as uh, checking in at the office. Well, what happens is like, you know, when you're on the set, you, you either me or my second or somebody the second second with me always kind of text is you know does a text back to the office to let them like listen we've just set up scene let's say 63 and it's five setups and we're on one of five so they know exactly where our day is because we all have a plan and a timed out day with the producers and they like to keep us on that time if not then we have to readjust or adjust our schedule or whatever so they like to know where we're at and so I would kind of do that with Ken. And then they, so years later after he offered me the wonder years and I couldn't do it. And then he offered me party five can do it, but he offered me significant others and I was available. So that's how I got on with that. That show lasted three, three episodes and then it was gone. And then they let me do party of five the next season. And so let's talk more about how things were set up with the film. And we've mentioned sort of letting the office know we filmed on the Sony lot at the time. I think there was a lot of running back and forth. I remember buying a little BMX bike so that I could get back and forth to the office from where our trailers were. But I'm having a hard time remembering why I had to make so many trips back and forth. Was that part of this uh, communication plan as well? Or was there more to it? Or was I running the call sheet up there trying to get something checked? Probably. Or distribution. I don't know, Vince. Yeah. (laughs) It was probably probably distro to get back to the office because the office was – north of the lot and we were on stage 24 all the trailers were pretty consolidated but the office was yeah. a, a, a kind of a, a long walk yeah so that makes sense yeah i had to hop on a little bike and run back and forth which i think you had encouraged me to get vince i think uh, you did <laughs> that bike did around right i mean that did you leave that bike with us because that somebody had a bike forever after after that they had bikes i think i did leave that bike yeah i think i left that for the next trainee to come in after me and, and uh, <laughs> let it be part of the team stuff skid i got you in the training program 
Don't forget that. <laughs> and, uh, we've done that episode, Vince. People who are curious, we did an episode on the training program. And uh, you guys should go back. So that was interesting, Vince, because we had some history. Uh, yeah. I met you because we both had been military veterans. Someone introduced yeah. me to you. You were instrumental in me training for the process of getting into the training program. And now my first job is working with you here on set. Yeah, that was, uh, I expected a lot out of you. So, um, um, we did, man. We really did. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> we only had a couple of guys, man. You really had to pull it quick. You had to learn quick, but you did. You learned, you, you learned quick. Skid. I have nice memories of that show. Yeah. I thought the hair, makeup and wardrobe folks were all great, uh, working with that yeah. team, even because there's a lot of actors all the time on that show. That's the, the yeah. nature of these ensemble groups and getting them in and out of the chair. That, that was a great team to work with. They did the whole show, the whole time. They did like seven years of it, I think those ladies did. Well, guys, tell me more about the atmosphere on set. Well, it was like a family. You know, they, a lot of those guys have been together for a long time. I finally came in on season four. That crew stayed together for a long, all the yeah. years, right? I mean, they did. We, we, the ADs came and went. We were a revolving door there, I think, more than any other department. People were pretty close, I think. They, yeah, people, yeah. We would go out every Friday night to the, the backstage and sing karaoke. We were, even, even the extras were close because yes. we used the regulars. We used the regulars in the, yeah. We had the regulars yeah. in, the, in the restaurant, you know, so everybody knew each other. It was, it was like a family. I mean, we were there for 14 hours a day. We, we would have a few 16-hour days. Yeah, and they never, when I got there, they weren't cold to me at all. That was a very warm group to be with. And they accepted me and my quirkiness. And, you know, we all got along really good. I, I liked that crew a lot. I yeah. mean, we were noisy. They were noisy. But, you know, it was, it was fun. It was just a fun thing, you know. I have to say you're right. It was a, it was a good bunch of people. Yeah, they, they loved you, Chris. I mean, you, you could tell the energy uh, was different when you would come on set for an, for an episode. It was just much more lighthearted and then we'd sort of have a good time and yet still we'd have to, you know, be focused and do our job. But we were, we, we were able to balance both things all the time, I felt like. Yeah, yeah, I think we tried to, you know, ease some of the pain of it all. Because uh, we, we did a lot in a day. There was a lot of work every day. And, you know, nothing against Jennifer and, and Scott, but, you know, I remember scheduling I couldn't schedule that. I could stay with those two actors all day at the loft, but I wouldn't make that day because they tell so many great stories. I couldn't stop the storytelling enough to get them, you know, remember? So we'd like schedule half a day with them <laughs> and then I'd have to schedule something else because they all knew each other so well. I mean, you know, Scott took care of that crew. They all took care of that crew. Those yeah. actors took care of everybody. So you, there was a lot of friendliness, which, tended to be like, okay, we got to go guys. We'd have to film kind of here too. But, but there was a lot of that. Yeah. I remember. We were so close Skid, that I was trying to play a joke on uh, a practical joke on Scott Wolf. The joke was that Scott had left for the day and he was going to come back. Right. Oh, I remember this now. Yeah. He did a scene and he left for the day and he was going to come back. And I told, I don't remember telling you if you were, I don't know if you were still there or if you had left for time of your life or if this is. We, we I was there work. and I remember Paul Marks was in on it too, I think. Yes. Yeah. So Paul, I told Paul Marks, yeah. the UPM, just to let everybody know I was playing this joke. Mm -hmm. And so the joke was that I had mistaken the fact that he was leaving for the entire day and put somebody else in his trailer and that whatever actor was going to be in that trailer had on like Johnny Depp on the trailer, like drinking like crazy, went nuts on the trailer, right? And what ended up happening was uh, Scott Wolf came and he got pissed. He didn't see it as a joke. He left the set. So here I was, and I remember we were shooting at the house. Yeah, now I do remember, Chris, that you were there because yeah. you looked, you kept asking me, what's up, what's up with Scott, what's up with Scott? And then I remember one, one final moment, you said, I need, I need you to come in here. I need you to come in and set. I need to talk to you. And I was shitting a brick. And I was like, wow, I can't believe this is all falling apart on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I came in and there was Scott Wolf. And I remember Joe, <laughs> and I remember Joe Pinella, Joe Pinella 
just was cracking up with that huge laugh of his. He oh, couldn't yeah. hold it that much longer. And then it turned out, you know, that Paul Marks had turned the tide on me because I yes. <laughs> you were there for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I had to ride you because, like, I need this guy now. That was part of the joke that you had to ride me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's standing there. Scott was good like that. He was, you know, fun like that. Those guys, you know. He was a good-hearted kid, you know, overall. He still looks the same. I know. I know. He's on uh, Hallmark a lot. He's on that. Yep. Yeah. I do recall that we called Scott the mayor of Sony, and he kind of embraced that. Like, he knew everybody, would talk to everybody, did a lot of handshaking. He embraced it, and he should, you know, that helped our show a bunch. I mean, he really embraced it. He was not, he would do all the talk shows, and remember, they let him go do movies and stuff. Remember, we'd schedule on their movies, Nev was doing stuff, and and Scott was doing things, and we let them all do that. They'd schedule around them. Scott did that movie, Scott did that movie Go while Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. uh, on Party 5. Yeah. Let's talk more about the cast because they were all relatively unknown when they started the show. You guys aren't there from the beginning, but you're coming in in the later seasons where they are having these other opportunities and they are all looking past the show at their larger careers. What was it like to work with them in general? You know, for me... When I first met them, you know, they were very kind to me. And, and so it kind of held the whole way. I, I just was in a, it was a good season for them. They were happy with their whatever. And I just kind of came in and I won them over pretty, pretty good. I, I think that overall, Nev was my favorite just because when I did have a chance to direct in the final season, she was just precious uh, dealing with me as a first time director and, and Scott and Matt, they were all very kind to me through the whole process. But it, she, I just remember her just really cool about the whole thing. And I thought she was very smart uh, how she managed it. And she, I, I just thought she was really great. But they were all really sweet people. You know, everybody has their moments and stuff. And I would, I remember when we would do around the table for they'd eat at the house and we'd have a scene in the house and I just would just scream at the top of my lungs because they'd all be talking so much. <laughs> I'm like, what? And they're looking like, dude, what's up? I'm like, gosh, you guys. And they're like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. And then they'd come around and be like, they're like what are you doing? I'm like, dude, you're killing me. But, uh, but they were family to everybody. They were, that was a good group of people, I have to say, my opinion. Yeah, they were, uh, they were all great. And, and the thing was, they were all part of the crew, too. You know, they really got along with the crew and we, we all went to do things together. We, we, there was a golf tournament that we had every yeah. year that all the cast would be, or most of the cast would be a part of. You know, so we were pretty close in that way. Yeah, I mean, they would, they would do food things for us and they would do special things like that. And they, you know, I mean, we didn't have taco trucks then, but they would do special things. I remember Jennifer Love Hewitt would do that quite a bit too. She would you know, I think we'd have all the, a thing became very popular, uh, maple bacon or whatever that, you know, and she'd like make sure we all had that on a Friday or I mean, she's the school. I mean, those kids, they, they enjoyed that ride. And, and I think, I think it was a second season, but that show won best drama Emmy Emmy. I mean, that was, there was, that was gold for a while. Now that story, that pilot was amazing. I remember watching it, you know, and then being, and then to be able to be a part of that show was, was pretty cool. I thought. Chris and Amy, who are the, you know, the showrunners of that show, who are very, they're very sweet people as well. That's the start of it right there. Just those two people to say from the top, but they could cast, man. They really could cast. I mean, they found, you know, Jennifer Garner. I mean, they really could cast. And those kids were really, very well cast. I mean, Jennifer, Jennifer Garner was on our show. No, she was, they were, she was on time of your life. But they cat, they found her like, and that was like the very first, she was on significant others. Oh, I remember her. She was like showing me like pictures of her and her, like her class play before that or something. I mean, she was just a kid. They just knew. And they said, she's going to take off. And then she got alias and it was over, you know, after that. But, but they, they were very good about, they could really cast those people. And that really set that show up. All the guest stars were, quality they were good and that helped drive that show for those many seasons uh, and so chris you got to come back and direct one of the final episodes of that sixth season vince you were there till the end what was it like 
wrapping it up for everybody, closing down a show with that kind of, that kind of family feeling. I was there towards the end just for that episode. I mean, I was on the same lot. We had the same production office, so we were always around each other and all that stuff. So, I mean, Vince got to really feel the last moments of that. But for me, it was like those guys were all, you know, sad. It was a sad, even when I, my last couple episodes, with my last, you know, it was, I could feel like it was the end of something that was truly uh, something really great. And they were sad about it. Everybody, to the writers, to everybody. It was a, it was a, moment in history that was coming to an end you know for me especially because we were all i mean i wasn't there since season one but i was there for you know the three seasons and everybody was really close so when you sort of feel like we're not going to see each other again it's kind of a weird feeling because you know you, you kind of take that for granted and i don't remember if we just if we knew that we were did we know from the beginning of that season that this was going to be the last season or was that sort of like, I don't remember. I don't remember, but I remember towards the end, they started like where they were going to auction off things. And so we got to pick things out of the house and that was very touching for people, what they took right. and stuff. That was very hard. It was heartful moments from the crew that got to take certain yeah. things out of that house. Uh, it was, I'm bringing stairs to my eyes thinking about it right now because there were some things that were there from the start. It was, it was a cool it end it that the crew got to have things to keep and then they auctioned the whole thing i mean like somebody bought the kitchen on from the but, set oh really <laughs> oh yeah yeah i remember paul saying oh, the whole kitchen was some guy bought the whole thing but you know all the plates and the handprint all the stuff on the walls that was in there they they got to have the crew got to have that which is really great i thought I, I wrapped up a few other shows since then and it was never like that it was never like that warming and they, they all people still get together and you know, here we are 20 years later, still talking about it. You know, I mean, I, mean, I still get yeah, residuals. I, <laughs> from, yeah, yeah. I still, I'm still in touch with um, a few people. Some, some of them on Facebook for sure. Joe Pinella, the, the director of photography, mm -hmm. I play tennis with him every now and then. And he ended up directing quite a few of those too towards yeah. the last few seasons he was yeah. directing. And it was always fun. Ken Dupolsky would direct. And, you know, as our executive producer, that was, it was always fun because he would come with like lottery tickets every day for everybody and you know it was just it was just like big daddy gets to be out here all day long and direct with us that's what i kind of felt like it was like <laughs> you know the guy that he's like dad's out here directing with him. that's it was fun for us at that moment you know with him i thought crazy because you do all this extra stuff but it was always fun you know he made it you know fun he took care of that crew too those guys he really did those guys took good care of that crew i thought and it's hard to do that as a producer these days with everything going on. I remember we took like Martin Luther King off. I mean, Ken did things that people weren't doing then. We, we all watched the, the space launch. We stopped and watched the space launch one, one afternoon. I mean, just don't do things like that. You know, they just don't. And Ken would make sure we did. We would have moments together like that. Right. Chris, when you're talking about the crew being loud, that reminds me of a story. Vince, tell me about your signs. <laughs> right i forget how they came about oh this is what happened at a tournament that we did i made a quiet please sign to make it look like we were doing a real tournament and then i used that sign on set because as chris noted they were just super noisy especially the grips they just could not stop talking they knew, everybody knew each other so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not everything. I mean, like ridiculous, but it was yeah. Just, especially it was because, especially on Mondays. So Mondays, everybody got back from the weekend and wanted to tell each other about how the weekend went, and then you know, and then you had Joe Pinella who would just not come to set, and he would just talk, 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 love him to death. But that's I mean, there's a lot of that. So this quiet sign was sparked from that golf tournament, and I still do it. You had some signs made up. Like you did, if you did that one for on camera, for the on camera golf tournament scene, you, uh, you had these like paddles made up that uh, you had a couple of them. I think that might've been one of the trainee duties to come in and walk around with that. You, well, I always, I, you know, what happened was I used it at UCLA because we would go to UCLA and shoot it as, a, as Julia's college, right? Nev Campbell's college. And I remember, why not just show the sign up instead of trying to quiet a hundred, you know, students and background, you could just put the sign up and it worked because you couldn't just scream, 
at UCLA. <laughs> yeah. There were students. It was a live. It was a live school. But I would put the sign up, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." So that was something that I remember uh, doing and still do. And I feel like there was a time on the show House where I had six of those made. And it made the set quiet. And now I can't get the PAs to, to, uh, to hold it up because I feel like they all want to be presidents of the, the studios right away. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, I've never been able to get somebody to do that again. I don't know why they just, but I think it was like the most brilliant thing that we could have happen for us because it absolutely worked. And, and if you don't have those, then your ADs are screaming quiet. And that just makes it all yes. day long. That just makes it so much more annoying if we're all just yeah. yelling quiet. And literally, you could yell quiet every 30 seconds. And sometimes I would say that, I'd be like, hey, guys, I just said quiet 30 seconds ago. But, and that crew would talk all the way up to, I would, I would say rolling, they'd keep talking. To literally, the director would say action, and then they, they'd all be quiet. We, I'd, I'd say, guys, we're putting it right to limit now. You have to be quiet before that. You know, just give the director a little more, more space because the guest directors be like, well, man, this is maddening. It's just because everybody's so friendly, but the signs would work out great because you don't have to hear somebody screaming that you could catch it. All of a sudden it comes out of your, you can see it instead of just have to hear it. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that definitely worked for that show particularly. You just can't get anybody to do it again. I don't know why. I know. <laughs> Dang it. Because <laughs> it really worked. The, the last show I just did, I had a microphone now, Vince. They gave me a microphone. PA oh, system. You, oh, is that you use that for the whole show for the, all your episodes? Uh, well, the, 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 there was that uh, show, uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels, but the, the showrunners were there all the time and they wanted to hear what was going on because the sets were so large and there were so many people. So I would just talk like that. But it, it was great because, you know, you don't have to talk, you don't have to scream at all and you can give a yeah. safety meeting right. or something like that so easily. And I, I like that idea a lot, but it's, you know, it's an expense to the production company, obviously. That does work. You should, if you have a chance to do it. I love it. I love it. When I, I've, I've done it a couple of times because we yeah. were, we would do it on big, big club days or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's really helpful. It's a good tool. And then it keeps everybody from screaming. That's the whole thing too. Yeah. To try to give that level down. Yep. Other lessons from the show? Things you guys learned then that you kept with you for twenty years? Well, you know, that was the last of the pencil call sheets. You know, everything's so automated yeah. now. But it was a in a sense kind of a slower time. I mean, things were fast and furious, but not so fast and furious now that, you know, I couldn't do a call sheet um in pencil. Like think about it. Yeah, I mean, things are going so fast now. You know, you're texting, everything happens with so much immediacy that it get, doesn't give you, it gives the producers, not saying in a bad way, but it gives the producers room to just make last second changes and not prep as long as you need to anymore because they, there's the luxury of, oh, let's just change the scenes. Whereas back at Party of Five, it was kind of like, turning the ship around you couldn't just do it you know like it's like wait a minute i gotta erase these scenes <laughs> right, just yeah. on that alone and then re, re readjust that we came at a time when i remember nev called me one night and forgot her script in the trailer and said hey yeah. could you fax me the entire script yeah go to kinko's buddy <laughs> <laughs> Fax me the entire <laughs> script yeah it, we, we deliver scripts to their doors yeah and that's how they got their scripts. I mean, sure. When I did the call sheet and I was a second, obviously, you know, handwriting, but I would call the actors at the end of the night. I didn't have a phone to co-call oh, yeah. the actors. They yeah. would, I'd call them. There would be one call, man. I'd make it up at the end of the day. They'd, they'd get a call. Now you have to call within minutes or they're like, what's going on? I don't have any idea what's going on. It's like, everything has to happen now. That's why you'll never have a second AD on the set again. Yeah. There's just, there are Absolutely. many production manager get the next day ready. They're like first day production managers. They're not running the set anymore. Your second second has to be able to set background, not your key. Yeah. That's why Vince, I don't know how you, I mean, whatever you and I did together, but you picked it up quick. And that was really something that drove you that you were very good at setting background at a fast pace. And you need to do that at that, at that level for sure. You, yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I want to say I'm disappointed. I didn't get to learn background from you, Vince, then, since uh, <laughs> you had me out at base camp the whole time. I had to go to another show and learn it from somebody else. All right. That's, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for passing that on. One thing at a time, Skid. One thing at a time. <laughs> I've, I've got a Skid story I can tell about background. Yeah. All right. Just, just a different topic. But I was at Warner Brothers, and I, I hadn't worked with Skid in a long time. But Skid had moved up as the AD quickly. You were, done, you were very good at your job, and people were, you were very – you didn't have downtime, I imagine. You're very, very good. And I remember it was a big show at Warner Brothers. I forget the movie that it was. And I was doing Chuck or some shameless. Or something. And I walked by this tent and it was full of background. And in there, you were giving the speech that day. And I stood in the back and listened. I was so proud of you. Not that I had taught you any of that. <laughs> but that, how, what a, what a freaking great AD you became, man. I just was like, wow. This kid's got a hold of this thing, man. I was, I was very, and you never saw me. I, I couldn't even get your attention. You were really busy, but I just, and I, and then I left. But I remember that moment. I was like, I go, I know that voice, and I walked in. There you were, and you gave the whole day what's going on, the whole, you know, the speech. You know the speech. You give yeah. a speech to the background every day when they come to work about what's going to happen that day, so they know. And that's when every AD does that in that position. But you were very good at that. I was very impressed, kid. Chris, I appreciate hearing that from you because that background speech, it sets the day for the background. It sets the, the tone for how things are going to go. And, and uh, yeah, that was a moment I considered important as well. See, Vince, maybe I could have taught you something about background, right? Or... <laughs> One thing at a time. <laughs> One thing at a time. I think if you'd have stayed in the business, Skid, you'd be running Warner Brothers. Out. <laughs> but just saying, I'm just saying. I just. Uh, oh, Chris, you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. Uh, well, guys, in wrapping it up, Vince, you want to say anything about what a great idea I would have become if I'd stuck around? And <laughs> have, we, have we worked together since the since Party of Five? Have, right? <laughs> That's a good question, Vince. We stayed <laughs> friends over the years, but uh, I can't remember if, if we ever got together again on another set after that. <laughs> I don't remember. I would love to have you on the set. Come on, be my second second. <laughs> yeah. But you have to set the background. And I would love to have your crew come in and give me the other side of how this, uh, what kind of first AD you're doing these days, Vince. So we'll look to set that up. Guys, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Skid. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Skid. Appreciate it. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Your feedback is always welcome and greatly appreciated. You can send email comments to Skid, S-K-I-D, at below the line one word dot biz. That's B I Z. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us reach new listeners. And new listeners, I hope you'll peruse our past seasons. Maybe discover some other shows that might interest you as well. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind the scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Be safe out there. Hope to see everyone again next week. Vince, the pictures you sent are great. Come on in, honey. Okay. I'm on the phone. Sorry. We'll let you go do what you need to do. Sorry, baby. Are you okay? Are you done? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. All right. No, you didn't put the phone cord in here, so I got fucked. Okay. I'll talk to you in a little bit, honey. <laughs> hey, I'll, be Sorry. I'll, I'll be honest. Are you not? You are not. Yes, honey, I am. And I just heard you say that. So. <laughs> You're laughing hysterically. And let's uh, stop yeah, so, recording. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm done with the program. We're just winding it up right now. Anyways, Sorry. I'll call you in a minute, honey, okay? <laughs> oh, that was classic. Oh, shit. I think we, so have, our, I think we have our outtake.